In this country, we believe that there should be freedom for all, even though not all of us believe in it. Join Tom and Chase as they explore politics, economics, and everything else that threatens your individual liberty. This is The Briefing Podcast. All right, we are live. Free for all episode 14. What's up, guys? Welcome back for another episode of the Free For All podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, please be sure to follow the show on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Uh, we are available literally everywhere, whether that's uh, Google Play, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And also be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at FFA Podcast 1776, and our Instagram handle is at Free For All Podcast. Uh, so for the show this week, we wanted to go a little bit of a different route. I know we've been doing that a lot lately, but this one's going to be even more different than the last couple episodes that we've done in the fact that uh, we're once again back on the topic of uh, gun control. Obviously, you, you guys, if you listened to our episode two weeks ago, um, we just we literally just talked about this topic. Um, but the preface in which we talked about that topic was that uh, gun control was coming and that it hadn't necessarily been passed yet. There wasn't any sort of productive gun control policy that had been passed other than uh, that small bill that Joe Biden executive ordered not too long ago that didn't really do much of anything. So obviously now we are, what, two weeks past the uh, the Boulder shooting incident. So like we had talked about in that episode two weeks ago that Joe Biden now had his vehicle to pass gun control. And so now after this press conference he held yesterday, uh, he has decided to take executive action. And so we actually have a video of Jen Psaki, who we've talked about on this podcast before as well, who is Biden's press secretary, uh, of an interview that she did in a, pre or a press conference that she did with you know these executive order uh, gun actions that that the Biden administration is going to take. And so what we wanted to do was we were going to play this clip for y'all. And then we're just going to go over some of the different parts of this press conference that she did. Um, and we're going to stop it in certain areas and, you know, talk about our takeaways from from the discussion that goes on. Yeah, just give a little commentary over it and uh, what we think and what we see and just take it right from the source, basically. Yeah, so this video is on YouTube. We pulled it off YouTube. It's titled, uh, Reporter Pushes Saki Back on the Delay in Gun Control Actions Biden Had Promised on Day One. Pretty long title, but it's by Forbes. So I just searched uh, Saki Gun Control, and it was one of the first things that popped up. And uh, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and play through a couple portions and then just uh give a little commentary for you guys yeah and and two uh we'll we'll add the link to that video in the description of the podcast this week so if you guys wanted to follow along uh, obviously you guys are going to be listening to the video but if you want to make sure it's not fake or something like that you will add the link for you guys to go ahead and go and look up the video yourselves has a lot of dislikes but not because it's fake just because people know that she's bullshitting but uh, yeah, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it, I guess. 
on Zeke's question on the manufacturer liability bill, mm -hmm. the president just said that if God granted him one item on his to-do list, it would be to get this done, to make it so that gun manufacturers can be held liable. It is something he promised on day one. It is day 78. What's the holdup here? There's no holdup. It just legislation needs to be reintroduced. Uh, there are a number of members uh, in Congress who are strong advocates for exactly what the president supports, uh, share his view about the impact, and uh, we're certainly hopeful and encourage them to move forward on that legislation, reintroduce it. But the president plan promised to send his own plan. You know, it's clear that you're waiting to see how this works its way through Congress, but why not put out your own bill, lead the charge on this? He, he is leading the charge by advocating for this moving forward, by using the bully pulpit of his presidency and of the Rose Garden to advocate for this legislation moving forward. It is the role of Congress, of course, to push legislation forward, to vote on it, to move it through committees, and he certainly is hopeful they'll do exactly that on this issue. The president did So, obviously, as you guys just heard, uh, Saki was talking about how it's Congress's job to pass legislation and that uh, she's hopeful that Biden's advocacy for more gun control, for red flag laws and for all of this anti-Second Amendment bullshit, uh, basically, that him advocating for it will basically push Congress in the direction of passing more anti-Second Amendment legislation. And the the biggest issue that I have right out of the gate is that She's literally being completely nonchalant about the fact that everything Biden has done so far has been through executive order action and not through Congress. Everything that he's done that's entirely unconstitutional has been done by signing a little executive order. Um, none of it has been done through passing laws through Congress or anything like that. They're completely circumventing Congress. And so now they want to virtue signal and act like they're completely self-righteous by saying that, uh, oh, we believe in our system and we believe that Congress should be the ones writing laws as if they haven't completely circumvented that for the last three months. Um, so that's, you know, that's my reaction is just that it's complete bullshit and she's completely, she's completely backpedaling on everything and, you know, acting like Biden hasn't done all of this unconstitutional crap for the last three months that he's been in office. Yeah, and it just seems to be a theme with the last couple presidencies. Um, I'm not too sure about Bush, but definitely with Obama, Trump, and Biden. And it just increases every single time uh, over time the amount of executive orders that we see them sign. And uh, obviously, this has a lot to do with Congress handing over their power to the executive branch. But Biden's obviously the king of doing the executive orders. He pretty much tried to reverse everything that Trump did via executive order uh, as soon as he got in office not too long ago. But um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just pretty funny now that Democrats are talking more about being constitutional now that the uh, Constitution affords them power, really, because they're in the majority now, so they can just do whatever they want. So they talk about being constitutional. What's really stupid to me, too, is so you're talking about how executive orders for the last couple of administrations have been entirely common, which is true, starting with Obama, essentially, and then uh, continuing with Trump and now with Biden. Um, but the difference in the situation with the Obama and Trump administrations is that government was not as consolidated, meaning that under the Obama administration, 
Democrats did not have entire control of Congress or uh, the Supreme Court. So getting stuff to pass through Congress and get passed the correct way obviously was a little bit more difficult, which is why executive action was utilized. And then under the Trump administration, we saw the same thing. So Trump obviously was trying to undo a lot of the destructive policy that Obama passed. So Trump wanted to start utilizing executive orders, obviously. And uh, the only reason that he actually even needed to do that is because Congress was still, again, split between Democrats and Republicans, and therefore there was no consolidation of power. What we're seeing now is Biden just doesn't give a shit about passing anything the way that it's supposed to be passed because Democrats have entire control of Congress. They hold the majority in both the House and the Senate. And so him just executive ordering everything just because he feels like it uh, is just a, a complete blatant ignorance for the Constitution and how this country is supposed to be ran. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the outcome would probably still be the same in the fact that Democrats control everything. And so if he wanted to get it passed through uh, Congress, he could probably do that fairly easily. It's just he doesn't care and he wants to use executive orders whenever he feels like it and knows that there's nobody that's going to be able to stop him from doing it. And that's the thing that's scary is that even though he has, like we said, like we talked about the multiple times, the vehicle to pass gun control, he has a slim majority in, well, he has a majority in the House and a slim majority in the Senate with Kamala Harris being the tying vote. So he, I mean, they, he theoretically, he, like, like we talked about a lot of presidents, they have, uh, there's a split government, like there's executive, that's one party and Congress, that's another party. And, uh, Biden has the ability to do this congressionally, like legally, uh, constitutionally, basically. And the fact that he might have to resort to executive order to do some of these things is kind of wild. And I really hope that he doesn't, because if he does, then that just sets a bad precedent. I mean, I think enough bad precedents have been set with the executive orders, but. I was going to say, too, I don't I can't even remember the last time that one party held entire control of like of of the U.S. government. I can't remember the last time that uh, either Republicans or Democrats held entire like entire control of everything. Um, Well, in the first what was it? The first two years of Trump, the Republicans had the House of Representatives, the Senate and the presidency. Yeah. and. I didn't get much done, though, because of all the Russian collusion bullshit and never Trump Republicans like Romney and like McCain standing up, like doing things like standing up for Obamacare and going against campaign promises and principle. Yeah. So they they basically just created a, uh, a bullshit scandal out of nowhere in order to prevent him from getting anything done because they knew that he had control. Gridlock. Uh, yep. Yeah, exactly. Gridlock. Um, so they knew that he was going to be too preoccupied with defending himself to be able to do anything productive. Um, which is why, like we've said, we said in the end of the Trump era that obviously Trump wasn't what a lot of people thought he was, but at the same time, you can't necessarily blame him for a whole lot of stuff because he was too busy just trying to defend himself the entirety of his presidency. Like he, they literally, they tried him for impeachment twice. Uh, just to ensure that he did absolutely nothing. Yeah. But uh, just going back to the video, you know, the first thing that the lady, uh, the reporter, I'm I'm sorry, I don't know her name, but the first thing that the reporter brings up is the broken promises 
that the Biden administration has uh, fallen through on, which you know has to do with gun control and obviously immigration as well, uh, as we're seeing now with the border crisis. And I um, actually saw his uh, the secretary, whoever was in charge of keeping the border in order, is stepping down. I think tomorrow. Might be somebody from week. the Trump administration. I'm not sure, or maybe he fired everybody. But yeah, it's just so. I mean, it's not a good position to be put in because you have to be following Biden's orders, but then your name's still on the line. Yeah, but, uh, but I think let's continue with the video. Uh, yeah, just but just one more thing uh, before we go, and uh, you know, she talked. One of the first things she talks about is uh, one of the things Biden was wanting to do before he got in is make gun manufacturers liable for shootings and i just want to say that's so ridiculous like obviously a car manufacturer is liable if their product is defective and it you know the brakes don't work right out of the factory or whatever but a gun manufacturer like if the i don't know what happens if a gun blows up in your face but most of the time that's that that doesn't happen with modern day most firearms. of the time that's user error that's user error and so is like running somebody over with a car. So if you do vehicular manslaughter, you're not going to be able, you know, that person can't go and sue Toyota. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's like a, a, a drunk driver using a pickup truck or another car, or whatever brand you want to use, uh, going and using their car and, and running a bunch of people over or, or getting in a drunk driving accident and killing people or whatever. You don't, you, you don't hold the car manufacturer accountable. You hold the drunk driver accountable. It's the same kind of thing. You don't yeah. hold, uh, the manufacturer of whatever tool or uh, object was used to to kill these people or whatever you you hold the, that person accountable for using that object exactly and there's already landmark u.s cases to where uh, we've already established pretty much that you can't sue the manufacturer for what the user does outside of you know the, the product's intended use or whatever i'm not i'm not exactly versed on the the legal jargon or whatever but uh, I, I feel like if we do overturn this, you know, thing and make gun manufacturers actually liable for stuff like mass shootings, then this is going to open the door uh, in terms of precedent for a lot of manufacturers for almost anything to be liable for stuff. And that's just kind of ridiculous. But uh, yeah, you want to go ahead and continue? On this issue. The president did suggest recently that, you know, tackling this is a long-term issue, as he put it. Given the recent shootings, does he still see it that way? Does he still see this as a long-term issue? I think he certainly sees it as an issue that we won't solve overnight. So yes, um, he sees and is encouraged by uh, the actions that we've seen uh, across states. Take red flag laws as an example. There are 19 states. Many have, have implemented those laws in just the last few years. We know that they're impactful. In many places, there's bipartisan support for that. What he, one of the announcements he made today was uh, that we will be putting forward guidance to make it easier for states to put forward those laws. Okay, so obviously right out of the gate, this again, this is something that we've talked about on, uh, we talked about this two weeks ago. With all the different laws that were in place in Boulder, Colorado, when the shooting happened two weeks ago, and one of these laws, these are these red flag laws. Uh, Boulder, Colorado, or specifically just the state of Colorado, has red flag laws in place. And so Jin Saki is here talking about how they want more states to support red flag laws. Well, and she's sitting there telling this reporter that uh, red flag laws are impactful and that they work. When in fact, the Boulder shooting proves the exact opposite. 
because the shooter got the gun illegally. And so your red flag laws are entirely useless. If people are out here getting guns illegally or getting guns from black market or underground sources, your red flag laws do absolutely nothing to stop them from using that gun to commit violent acts such as mass shootings. Because they got the gun entirely uh, outside of the realm of law, you're only preventing legal law-abiding citizens from purchasing firearms. You know, these red flag laws, they're entirely pointless because by and large, the majority of criminals that use guns to commit acts like mass shootings uh, or robberies or carjackings or or anything of the sort, they get these guns illegally for the most part. Um, there's a very, very, I think the statistic we we gave in the episode two weeks ago was like, un- it was 10% or under uh, that obtained their firearms from a legal source. And so these red flag laws that she's talking about that are oh so effective and prevent these shootings from happening, uh, that's blatantly and entirely false. Yeah, exactly. And obviously red flag laws are going to open the door for lots of uh, like f- future like societal problems, basically. It, it, it's just like something that's just going to be turned and used against almost anybody. It's going to be used like blackmail. It's going to be... If somebody figures out you have a gun, they're going to say, oh, um, you got a crazy girlfriend. She's like, oh, I'm going to say you beat me or something if you don't buy me this or whatever. I don't know. Just think about that. But these red flag laws, they don't really require. It's almost like the uh, some of the Title 10 stuff to where Title 9 or Title 10 stuff to where uh, accusers wouldn't need to provide any proof that they were raped or, or, or something like that. Red flag laws are all like preemptive hearsay stuff to where you don't get a trial in court it's not innocent before uh it's not innocent until proven guilty or anything it's just it's ridiculous and obviously it sets a bad precedent and like we said most of these people are just gonna not abide by the laws anyways or if they're mentally incompetent they're gonna try to hide it well even the so again going back to our episode last or two weeks ago uh, if you wanted to use the Charleston shooting, that's probably an even better example than Boulder, because in the case of the Charleston shooting uh, several years back, the shooter, again, who will not be named because everybody knows who he is, obtained the gun from a legal source. And in fact, the red flag laws in South Carolina would have prevented him from owning the gun that he used in the first place. But again, it was the government's own error in the fact that the FBI knew that he was trying to get a gun. Uh, They knew that he had a drug charge on his record, but instead of contacting the correct local authorities about said drug charge, they contacted the incorrect authorities and therefore cleared him to purchase the firearm because the uh, sect of law enforcement that they contacted had absolutely no record of him still possessing said drug uh, Mm -hmm. that he was arrested for whatever months earlier and actually still had possession of at the time that he bought the the weapon and everything. So you're talking about, okay, so even if the government does learn about mental incompetence, about uh, mental health history, about drug charges or drug possession, um, they still don't act. They still don't do anything. There's nothing productive that comes out of any of these red flag laws because the government is inept at handling literally anything. That's true. And honestly, um, if the liberals had their way, like, you know, you take a look at a state like Oregon, who is really leading the charge in a lot of this liberal shit and ideas and stuff like that, they're, 
you know, decriminalizing all these drugs and stuff, like, I mean, I don't know how this is all going to work together with, like, they're going to have red flag laws and decriminalize drugs. Like, I don't understand which direction they're trying to make society go. And it just yeah, seems that's like a complete o- that's a complete oxymoron entirely, because if you're yeah, if you're if the, the, the entire point of these red flag laws is to keep guns out of the hands of uh, people that do drugs and people that have serious mental health history. But then you're also going to turn around and completely decriminalize methamphetamine and crack and cocaine and all that shit. Uh, it's entirely counterintuitive to what you're trying to do with guns because all the people that could not do drugs before because of fear of legal repercussions for doing so are now doing drugs, but also probably owned guns before that as well. So now, you know, you're going to have a completely massive list of criminals who probably otherwise wouldn't have been criminals had these, uh, had drugs not been legalized or had these red flag laws not been implemented. Yeah, I don't really understand. Like, I kind of agree slash disagree. Um, it's all situational, in my opinion. Uh, I like freedom and stuff, but with uh, Oregon decriminalizing like these drugs, like they have so many other problems they could be solving, but they're they're just going straight for that, and they're trying to appease people, and uh, it's whatever. But well, another thing I wanted to point out from that portion of the video, just before we move on to the next part, is that the reporter said that Biden suggested earlier that gun control is a long-term issue. So that that's just a that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning with the with the broken promises. So they they want to promise so much on the campaign trail, but then they they get pressed on these issues like why are you not doing this? And then they just say, "Oh, you know, like Saki's saying, "Oh, it's Congress that's got to do this and that and the other thing." And then and then Biden's just delaying and, you know, not even showing up to conferences and shit, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if they they make it a long term thing and they they don't do it, or if they're able to get away with it quickly. We'll see here in the the next coming few weeks. But let's continue on with the video. He knows that sometimes the first action doesn't happen at the federal level. It can happen at the state level. We've certainly seen that on a range of issues, and we've seen that on uh, gun safety legislation as well. Um, so he's he's encouraged by that, but knows that it can be a long journey. I just want to stop it right there because I just think it's ironic that now they're all for states' rights and you know states being able to do whatever they want when it's for uh, red flag laws and gun control and stuff, but. When the Trump administration, you know, his COVID response was let the states figure it out. Um, obviously, federalism, like the country is supposed to be. And they, they were just trashing on him for it, saying that there wasn't enough central leadership. But uh, now now Saki's just saying, oh, the, the states are being the leaders and, you know, they're they're doing it right. Exactly. It's pivot or move the goalposts every single time something is completely inconvenient to you. But uh, obviously, so Saki was saying that she just believes that the states should be able to do whatever they want or the states can lead the charge on everything. And the problem that I have with that is the fact that most of the states that are Democrat already have these red flag laws like Colorado, uh, New York, Illinois, you name a liberal state and I guarantee you they probably already got red flag laws in place. Uh, so really what it comes down to is it, it's almost sort of a, uh, a subtle jab that only people who are, I guess, politically versed like we are, are going to understand, but it's like a subtle jab at 
red states or Republican states saying that uh, it's up to them to pass the laws. And so then it's, it's, it's almost as if the red states choose not to pass these red flag laws or not to ratify them uh, should they be federal law and the states uh, have the choice to ratify them or not. Uh, it makes the red states look bad because it's like, oh, look, everybody else is doing it. Why aren't you doing it? Ha ha, you guys suck. That kind of thing. And uh, it, it's just a completely subtle jab so she's saying that she's for states' rights and she's she wants states to lead the charge on everything. But really what she's talking about is she's talking about red states rather than blue ones because most of the blue ones already have red flag, flag laws in place anyway. Yeah, exactly. They said that they were going to give, basically provide guidance from the federal government in terms of what these states should model their red flag, uh, red flag laws after. So I, I don't really know, like you said, all these Democrat states already have it. So I don't really know who's going to be listening to them. And in terms of who they're trying to really market it at, yeah, it's going to be these Republican states or it's going to be uh, places that are borderline like or places that are starting to flip like Texas. Personally, I can't wait until uh, Ron DeSantis here in Florida says, no, we're not going to ratify those. They're pointless. And uh Y'all can hop off, basically. I used the phrase on Twitter the, uh, yesterday. I spent all day in Twitter jail because uh, I used the phrase, the government can sit on a cactus. And uh, Twitter deemed that a threatening tweet and said that it implied uh, violence and encouraged suicide and self-harm. So I spent about uh, 14 hours in Twitter jail yesterday for that. But... uh Twitter can't do anything to me on my own podcast. So, uh, yep. Yeah, well, they put everybody, the government put everybody in jail and made everybody kill themselves during COVID and shit. But, all right, let's uh, get back into it. Have you been in touch with, with Leader Schumer about the next steps forward, especially on, on these bills that have passed the House? He, as you know, he's regularly in touch with Leader Schumer, who shares his uh, commitment and concerns about the impact of gun violence on our communities, on, on this country. Uh, and uh, they certainly discuss this among a range of other issues. The president does actually have here the list of all the promises that he made uh, during the campaign of gun actions that he wanted to take. Obviously, you're doing what, what you think you can uh, unilaterally, mm -hmm. waiting for these measures to work its way through Congress. Does the president feel that he's doing everything he can to meet the scope of these commitments right now? Well, today the administration announced initial actions to address gun violence. Uh, there will be more. That is absolutely his commitment. And he also uh, will use the power of his presidency, his voice, uh, his political will uh, to advocate for uh, actions in Congress. He also recognizes that there are incredible roles to be played by many of the gun safety groups and leaders that were here today who have helped pass laws in states across the country on everything from background checks to red flag laws, uh, uh, efforts that have had a, a measurable impact in states to reduce incidents of gun violence, of homicide, of suicide as a result of guns. So he will remain engaged with those groups and those leaders as well, and he will work on this uh, on, through many levers. So obviously, uh, Saki kind of catches herself here because she realized what she was going to say was going to be very, very, very bad. And so she kind of catches herself and says, Instead of him, uh, instead of blatantly saying that he was going to take executive action and that he's going to completely circumvent Congress like he's done for the last three months, 
she says he's going to use the power of his presidency and his political will to encourage Congress to take action instead of saying outright that it would be an executive order. But again, here in this segment, we see a complete blatant ignorance of facts because she's talking about how these laws will prevent homicides and robberies and all these other bad things from happening. But again, it's complete blatant ignorance of facts because a lot of these homicides, again, are committed with handguns and not assault rifles or uh, weapons of war, as they like to call them. The majority of shootings in the United States are not committed with ARs. They're committed with handguns. And that doesn't even take into account the fact. So uh, if any of you guys are familiar, murders, robberies, that kind of thing are not you know, segregated, like robberies with a gun, murders with a gun. Gun violence is just lumped into one big category. And so suicides are also part of this category. And what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of these gun deaths in America are people killing themselves with, with guns, um, people shooting themselves in the head with a handgun or, or whatever method they choose to do. If they use a gun to do it, it is added to that gun violence statistic, whether it is self-inflicted or whether it's somebody else uh, aggressing upon another individual, um, it's all lumped together. And so it's obviously a complete and blatant ignorance of factual information and statistics from their own Bureau of Justice and from the FBI who keep track of these statistics from year to year. You know, if they monitored these statistics and were actually concerned about gun violence, they'd be more concerned about the mental health epidemic than anything, because that's where the majority of gun deaths in America stem from. Yeah. And like you're talking about the suicides getting lumped in. Suicide's one of those things where you can't prevent it from happening. Well, you can, you can, but you're not going to prevent it by taking away the method because there's so many methods to kill yourself that if you really wanted to kill yourself, you'll do it with or without access to a firearm. You know, there's people that hang themselves. There's people that kill themselves in prison. I mean, look at Epstein, supposedly. But uh, yeah, just, you know, the suicide thing, I wish they would really take that out of the gun deaths because it really shouldn't be categorized as death by any sort of method, I guess. Maybe it should have a note. But Let's put it this way. If, if suicide was removed from the gun violence statistic, if the FBI decided to completely do away with suicides and completely remove those from the quote-unquote gun violence statistic for uh, whatever for the year, gun violence deaths would go way down. Because you're talking about suicides account for close to like, what, 40 or 50% of uh, annual gun deaths. So if you take mm. away all suicides by, by gun, whether it's a handgun, an AR, a shotgun, whatever, if you take away suicides by firearm, the amount of gun deaths in this country is actually very, very, very low, despite what the government obviously wants you to believe because they want to pass uh, anti-constitutional bullshit, like I said, in order to continue to hold their power and uh, enforce their will upon people that don't necessarily agree with what they say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they and going back to the video, they were saying about like what they're doing now. She says they're going through initial actions on gun control, whatever the hell that means. But um, she definitely said that in the video, she was thanking gun safety groups for being there, which are basically the lobbyists who are trying to get them to do whatever the hell they want them to do. So uh, they probably are cooking up something. Those people are up there because they don't spend money for nothing. Uh, we'll go ahead and continue with the video again. 
with these ghost guns, they can basically be bought, printed, and assembled at home. So how is the president confident that this rule can be enforced? Well, it's a rule that is being put in place by the Department of Justice. Uh, it is certainly a step to make that more difficult to regulate uh, an area of gun production that has not been regulated previously. So it's something that will have to be worked through, through law enforcement officials around the country, through the Department of Justice. Right, but if you're like doing it at your house, how are they going to know to be able to enforce that? Well, there's the purchase of kits, of course, that's part of it. Um, but certainly putting in place steps to make it more difficult, to make it harder, to regulate uh, the ability to gain access to uh, ghost guns, ghost gun kits is certainly a step forward in our view. So that's where the video ends off. And uh, <laughs> that's 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 pretty amazing. That question that that girl asked, because basically, if I was given one question to ask Biden or his press secretary, that's what I would ask in, in terms of guns. Well, and two, see, so I assume when she when this reporter is referring to ghost gun kits that she's talking about separated lowers or separated uppers in terms of like ARs in that sense where. If I wanted, say, like a Daniel Defense lower, and then I wanted uh, a completely separate upper from like Palmetto State Firearms or something like that, I could buy that Daniel Defense lower receiver and then go to Palmetto State Armory and uh, buy an upper for it, and then I can I can then take these separate parts and put put them together and create a gun of my own spec, basically, rather than buying one that's entirely put together for me already. And so that's my guess is what she's referring to with ghost gun kits, which I mean, I, I guess it's like an okay idea. But at the same time, the reporter makes a very, very good point in the fact that the government literally can't regulate this because how do you know what this person is actually doing with these ghost gun kits that they're buying? Like, you don't know uh, if they're a criminal or a legal gun owner. There's no different differentiation between the fact. And then uh, two, again, a lot of people buy these kits because you don't have to register it and therefore the government doesn't know about it and they can't come and take it from you. If you're a legal firearm owner, a lot of people do this uh, because the government does constantly threaten gun control. And because, again, we talked about this two weeks ago on our previous episode um, about the fact that there really is a gun registry kind of database. The government knows that you've purchased a gun because you have to fill out an application and have a background check done. So uh, they could go back through their background checking system and be like, okay, so-and-so bought a gun on, on whatever date if you bought it legally. Um, so there is a way for them to keep track of, of legally purchased firearms. And so what, again, what this is, is just another way for them to track legal gun ownership. Because again, these people that are out here committing mass shootings are not building guns themselves. They're not intelligent enough to do any of this. <laughs> They're buying guns from the underground that are uh, have the serial numbers scratched out or have been used to commit other crimes or whatever, and that person is trying to get rid of the gun, and so they, they buy it off some random guy on the street. Like, there's no... Uh, there's, there's really no way that making these ghost gun kits harder to access is going to prevent anything else from happening. And two, the other point that I want to bring up, uh, because this was my thought when, when ghost guns, quote unquote, were brought up, is the fact that 
you can really, if you have a 3D printer that's big enough, you could 3D print whatever you want. There are people that can get gun designs off the internet and literally 3D print them in their living room. And the government is never going to know that you're doing that either. And then what that's going to come down to is whether the government is monitoring your, uh, your internet search history, if the government is monitoring what you download on your computer, if they're accessing the uh, webcams on your computer, if they're still spying on you uh, through the NSA, through use of your cell phone, like that kind of thing. All these unconstitutional laws that were in effect during the Obama administration, obviously, I've said in previous episodes, free my boy Ed Snowden, but you know, that's what he brought to light and everything and why the government is so pissed off at him and eg- pretty much exiled him from this country is the fact that he brought that to light and exposed the government for what they were actually doing, which was spying on literally everybody in this country um, and doing so illegally. And so we've since passed laws that prevent the government from doing this, but who's to say that they're not still doing it? They may have just passed the law just to make everybody else feel better, um, and they could very well still be doing it. And so that's really, at that point, is the only way that the government would know that you're buying these ghost gun kits or manufacturing them with a 3d printer i yeah i don't really know how they're they're trying to enforce it and what i think the reporter was talking about is the 3d printed guns that you know like she was saying you just make them in your house you basically print them off you download a file onto your computer and print them off and with the uh i forget what the biggest uh, company that does it but this guy whatever's the biggest company that sells the uh the 3d printer like the files and stuff for the the AR-15, uh, he's always doing interviews and stuff, and they say it's all free speech because it's all code. It's all code. They say it's free speech, theoretically, which I don't know if I agree with that, but I agree that they should be able to do that because, uh, like you said, how are they going to regulate it? But uh, Saki, what she responds to this 3D printing claim about is uh, she doesn't really say that they can regulate it. She kind of almost admits defeat and says that they can't really regulate that. And she's like talking about, you know, how they're going to regulate what's currently out that's being sold legally or whatever. She talks about these kits, What she's probably talking about is kits for, like you said, the lower receivers. But there's also something called 80% lowers, which are the ones that you don't have to register. So any of our viewers that aren't really, uh, you know, don't really know a lot about guns or anything. Okay, so the lower receiver is basically like the the trigger assembly and like the magazine well, like where the the ammo goes into the gun and shit like that. Uh, Depending on how much that is manufactured, you may or may not have to register it. So people, what they do is these manufacturers make an 80% complete lower receiver and then you do the extra 20%. You do the milling, the drilling, etc. And thus you get around having to register the low receiver, which is the only part of the gun when you're building a gun that you have to register. So that's probably what Saki's talking about is going after these manufacturers of 80% lower receivers. But uh, she basically ignores the report or like, yeah, the reporter's question uh, about the 3D printed guns, because you can just make this stuff in your own house. You don't need a a company with a, a CNC machine or whatever to manufacture aluminum or steel or whatever parts. The very last point that I want to make about this video is one of the last things Saki said is that the way that this that these ghost gun bans or ghost gun regulation would work is that 
it would only be able to be enforced by local law enforcement and law enforcement agencies around the country. And I want to take everybody back to what the Biden administration started to push several weeks ago, which they are trying to push no-knock raids without a warrant. Um, They want any law enforcement agency around the country to be able to raid your home with absolutely no warrant. So they can think that you're doing something illegal inside your home, that you have illegal guns, that you are selling drugs or manufacturing them, um, that you have prostitutes, whatever it is. They can think that all they want, but because they can think that, uh, that then somehow gives them the right to go and raid your home. And if they're wrong, well, sorry, we just busted down your door and shot your dog for no reason. Whatever. Sorry for the inconvenience. Like, we don't care. But like that, that's the kind of stuff that this this administration, the kind of unconstitutional BS that this administration is trying to pass. They're trying. They're literally saying we have the right to raid your home and there's absolutely nothing you can do or say about it. And I feel like that that almost goes hand in hand with what she's talking about is the fact that she's saying uh, this reporter brought up the fact, well, how are you going to enforce these laws if you don't know what people are doing inside their homes? Well, funny you ask that question. We're actually advocating that any police agency around the country be able to enter your home with no warrant and there's nothing you can do or say about it. And mm-hmm. I feel like that goes literally hand in hand with that. Isn't that kind of like a, well, I wouldn't say that's a violation of the, well, it's definitely a violation of the Fourth Amendment. I don't know if it's a violation of the Third Amendment. Because they're just coming well, in your I, house whenever. <laughs> I just think that I honestly, in my own opinion, I think that that's gonna, going to put law enforcement as if their job wasn't already dangerous enough nowadays. Uh, that's going to put a lot of law enforcement mm-hmm. agencies in a very, very, very difficult position. Um, yep. And I hope to God if, if that kind of policy actually does get passed, that a lot of these people who claim that they're quote unquote good cops and that they're there to protect people. I hope to God all of those quote unquote good cops resign. And yep. quit that job because at that point you are no longer protecting the people that you claim to serve. Uh, you are there to violate their rights, and that's all you are there to do. So, yeah, I I just hope to God that you know these cops, the good ones, quote unquote, uh, as they say. I hope that they resign if destructive policy like that gets passed because there's absolutely absolutely no place in a uh, civilized society for stuff like that for the government to be able to enter your home without your own consent. That is your place of dwelling. That is where you live. You bought that property with your own money. It is your private property and you have the right to protect it how you see fit. And so like I was saying, I hope to God these uh, cops quit their job because I think that if they don't and if they do follow through with uh, unconstitutional laws such as that, such as these no knock raids with no warrants, I feel like a lot of them are going to be killed. Yeah, that's so obvious. Like all that is, is just breaking into somebody's house most of the time in the middle of the night or just like whenever, you know, obviously scaring the shit out of them. And these are armed people. And what's the difference between that and a home invasion, at least from, you know, the perspective of the person getting the shit scared out of them. And I've even heard some of these home invaders will break into people's houses and scream police or FBI or whatever. And then the people just stand down and yeah, no shit. Why wouldn't they? You just get away with the crime that way. You get the person to stand down. and. I don't know what these police agencies are thinking. And obviously, these politicians don't give a shit about the police. They don't give a shit about uh, veterans or anything like that. And they just want to send these people in harm's way. And that's all they're going to do by uh, enforcing no-knock warrants and things like red flag laws. You're sending people that are going to break the Constitution after people that want to defend their rights, basically, and have the ability to 
and that's that's just going to be a shit show and that's going to be a, a huge cause for divide and even more gun violence and calls for gun control it's just a spiral at that point but like i said that was pretty much the last point i wanted to make and it kind of goes hand in hand with saki's response there in the fact that the federal government really doesn't have a way to enforce these ghost gun bans or enforce gu- ghost gun regulations if they don't know what you're doing inside your house so what then is the answer? Is the answer spying on people? Is the answer no-knock raids with no warrants? Um, Because that looks to be the direction that they're heading in. Um, So I guess we'll have to wait and see, but right now the future looks very, very bleak. Yeah, sorry to leave you guys on a low note there, but uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely stuff way out there. Um, It's, uh, what was that, Forbes that reported on that? And the video had tons of dislikes, like I said, uh, just because of what she was saying. So. Uh, somebody was reporting on how they're also like, there's this website where you can track the like dislike ratio and how they've been deleting a lot of dislikes for Biden's videos and stuff. So everybody's seeing this. It's just the media is trying to cover up and suppress it, but everybody knows this. So we just need to link up and get together and call out their bullshit. So uh, if, if, if there's a positive note that comes out of this episode, I just hope that everybody uh, can join together and call out their bullshit. Really? Yeah, honestly, like uh, like we've said before on the podcast, the area that we win this is culture, changing the culture and changing people's minds. It's it's a war over the psyche of the average American more so than it is uh, about anything else, because that's how the government ha- uh, maintains their power is by controlling everybody and brainwashing them into thinking they're there to do good things. Mm-hmm. And obviously... If you listen to us, you know that's pretty much uh, the complete opposite of what's true. So um, anyways, again, like we said, we wanted to go a different direction with the show this week. I hope you guys enjoyed following that video with us and listening to the commentary. Um, I know that it was kind of sporadic and we talked about a lot of different stuff, but I hope you guys were able to um, digest some of that information and take something away from the show this week. Yeah, definitely. Please please give us some feedback if you like the new... uh the format we did this week and uh just let us know if there's anything you'd like to see or any uh topics you'd like to cover we'd really appreciate that but uh thanks for listening guys and uh have a great week yeah peace be easy welcome to thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode of the free for all podcast You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow and subscribe to the show and connect with us on Instagram to keep up to date with all the latest content. Peace.